Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I'm your host, Danielle Girard, and my guest today is CJ Tudor. CJ is the author of the short story collection, A Sliver of Darkness, and the novels, The Burning Girls, The Other People, The Hiding Place, and The Chalk Man, which won the International Thriller, Writer, Thriller Writers Award for Best First Novel and the Strand Magazine Award for Best Debut Novel. Over the years, she has worked as a copywriter, television presenter, voiceover artist, and dog walker. She is now thrilled to be able to write full-time and doesn't miss chasing wet dogs through muddy fields all that much. She lives in England with her partner and her daughter. Welcome, CJ. Hiya, thank you for having me. I can imagine you don't miss muddy dogs. We were just talking about dogs before we were on air and muddy dogs might just be kind of the worst, right? Oh, I, mean, I love dogs. I love dogs. And I, I did I did love working as a dog walker, you know, because uh, I love animals and I, I, I love taking the dogs out. But it's the sort of job when you when you were doing it in the summer, everyone goes, oh, my goodness, that must be such a lovely job to have. And then when you're out in the winter and it's raining and it's cold <laughs> and you're traipsing through the mud, not so much. People don't yes. know, six, seven hours a day doing that. Suddenly not such a nice job. Not <laughs> so much. Not so, although you're probably in fabulous shape. So I was telling I was also showing CJ that I took her book to the beach because we got to go to Mexico <laughs> for Christmas and I devoured nice. it and it's so fun it's a little bit water damaged because I was at the pool <laughs> so tell our listeners about the drift right so where to start so the drift is essentially kind of three stories that kind of come together um, it's set in an unnamed snowy location in the middle of a snowstorm and and there's three groups of people who have all become trapped um, in different situations. Um, Meg finds herself trapped in a cable car, stranded thousands of feet up in the air that's kind of ground to a halt with five other strangers because she wakes up in this cable car. She comes to and she's with these strangers. She doesn't know how she's got there. Um, and there's, there's something going on that we find out later on, but they are essentially trapped um, in this cable car with not much hope of rescue coming. There's Hannah who finds herself in a overturned coach. She's been evacuated from a boarding school in the mountains with some other pupils. And their coach is involved in an accident and it overturns, trapping them um, kind of upside down in the snow. For various reasons, again, they can't get out of the coach and the snow is piling up and the temperature's dropping. And again, it's a battle for survival. And the final protagonist is the character called Carter who is in um, an isolated ski chalet in the mountains with, again, he's, he's, he's with a, a group of other people, sort of workers, companions, I wouldn't necessarily call them friends. Um, and they're finding themselves trapped by the snowstorm with the power failing. And for various reasons, again, that become apparent throughout the novel, um, should the power fail, then they will find themselves in great danger, not just from what might lie outside, but what might also be contained in the depths of the chalet's basement. So all these separate strands basically um, start to come together as the book progresses. We start to find out why these groups of people are trapped. We start to find out what they're escaping from or where they're trying to get to. And we find that their stories become linked as we go on because there is a far greater threat in this world, which is the thing that kind of connects them all together. 
And one of the things I love about it is that in each of the situations, there's something immediately really wrong. So like in the tram, there is a dead man, right? And we're like, why, you know, how did that guy die? In the coach, the driver is missing. So there's all these sort of like things you're immediately like, what is happening? And, you know, and, and, and you do the, you know, you alternate points of view. So you're left with this, what the hell was that? And then you're in another place and then you're like, <laughs> what the hell is that? And it's just, it, it creates such a momentum to be like, oh my God, what? And, and then somehow, which this is where I would, you get so much respect for me because you bring it all together at the end. And I was like, I don't know how, there's no way. She's, there's no way she's gonna be able to do this. So um, can you, I don't know how you sort of, how you kind of come up with plots. This is, as I mentioned, my first CJ Tudor book. Um, um, and I heard, of course, so many amazing things about your other stories. And obviously I will, I got I got some reading to do, but, um, but how, <laughs> what is the, like, what was the inspiration? Can you tell us sort of how you came to this idea? Yeah, I mean, um, I actually had the idea for the drift back in 2019. Um, for various reasons, it took me a while to be able to sit down and write it. Um, and it started with like a lot of my ideas. Where I was just idly thinking about locked room mysteries, um, which are, you know, were quite popular, are quite popular still. And kind of what was the smallest locked room mystery you could write? You know, and I started thinking about the idea of the cable car to start. With. Yeah. A group of people trapped in a cable car with a dead body. And one of them is, you know, potentially a killer. And they're, they're trapped thousands of feet in the air, stranded on this cable car hanging there. And it seemed like it would be a really fun setting. But I thought it's not quite enough to kind of hang, no pun intended, a whole novel on, perhaps. Right. So then my brain started going, I started thinking, well, what about three, three different scenarios of people trapped in various locations? And it's a snowstorm and we have the cable car stranded and overturned coach and this kind of chalet that's been cut off. And that seemed really interesting then. But, but then I started thinking more, well, why are they trapped? You know, why, why is no rescue coming? Why, why is no one coming to help these people out? What are they what are they escaping from? What were they trying to get to? And then that sort of kind of brought on the bigger idea of, of, of the bigger story, the background of, of why these people are essentially trapped in this situation. Um, and it's, it's probably not giving too much to sort of a way to say it's kind of a, a near future. There's kind of been, dare I say the words, a viral pandemic. And we're talking about groups of survivors really trying to get to safety, hence why society is broken down. They're kind of not immediately getting, you know, helicopters and rescue coming to sort them out. Um, and, and that was sort of the basic idea behind the book. But as I said, I had the idea back in 2019. So it was way before <laughs> we'd ever I know, God, right. Um, and then as it turned out, I couldn't write it in 2019. Um, I was kind of persuaded by my editor to work on another idea, which didn't pan out because of course then the pandemic happened and lots of awful stuff happened. And I lost my dad and the book I was writing, I, I, it just didn't work. Yeah. And I ended up scrapping that. And came back in 2021 to sort of this idea of the drift and said look you know I I really love this idea and I'd really like to write it still and actually kind of having gone through everything we've gone through I actually feel I can kind of give it more depth and insight than I could have back in 2019 and so yeah then I set about writing it then and it and it it, in a weird way it kind of helped it was got a lot of demons out in a weird way although that's not kind of the main focus of the story it's not really a pandemic novel um it's very much the background to why these characters are where they are you know but it it did help inform the writing more I think and I think I was in a better place to write it by then so yeah it was yeah. um yeah it was sort of a long time coming to fruition but I think sometimes you get to write books when you're supposed to write them 
and hopefully I think we've had a bit of distance from stuff. And I was saying something the other day, it kind of it like operates like a parallel world, almost like a what if, what if could have happened? What if this had happened um, in this parallel world? Um, a kind of sort of dark shadow. Um, so I think it kind of works on that front. So the, yeah, that's how the idea really came about. Most of my ideas start with a, what if, what if, what if I did this? What if this happened? Right. I love that. Well, and the thing actually, it's so funny, like you said, it's not a pandemic book, but no. because we're all sort of conditioned from the pandemic, it adds this, another, ah, this no. incredible tension when, when like somebody looks at somebody who thinks, who looks like they might be not feeling well. And then we're all like, oh shit, because it's, yes. you know, the vibe, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and of course, you know, if this, if this book had come out in 2016, we'd have been like, oh yeah, they got a virus. Like, cause remember we've had like, there's been plenty of those books you know, yeah. that were like Michael Crichton wrote a book way ahead of his time, Absolutely. you know, but it doesn't, it yeah. didn't mean the same thing to us <laughs> as it clearly does now. And because of where these people are, like you said, I mean, at least the chalet has more than one room, but those, the bus, the coach and the tram, there yes. is no escaping. Um, there is no escaping that place. So I, I'm so interested. And I actually want to come back to the idea because I, I think it's really inspiring for other, you know, aspiring authors and other authors to hear about sort of how, you know, we, we write books that sometimes don't work out. And I just went through that um, as well. So I yes. want to come back to that. But first I want to, I want to ask you as you, so are you, a, did you plot this whole thing out in some sort of incredible spreadsheet? Because it's rough. You've got a lot of people, a lot of, yeah. you know, it's, you know, a lot of things going on and you do it in such a way that you, the reader never feels like, where the hell am I? What the hell's happening? It's very well done. So how do you do that? Well, you know, I, I'm not a plotter. I am a definite pantster, as they say, you know, by the seat of the pants. I normally just sit down and write and see where the idea is going to go. Um, I did, but in this one, I have, because there's, there's definitely three separate storylines, I wrote them all separately. So each one was a self-contained story in itself because I felt it was important that each story had kind of those those sort of bits of tension and heights and the cliffhangers in each story and then I sat down and I basically put them all together like some great big kind of jigsaw puzzle thing yeah um, and that's kind of where the hard work came in in a way because writing each each segment was actually quite fun you know right. occasionally I'd drop some breadcrumbs in that might connect it here or there um but then the hard work really came by sitting down and putting it all together. But I think it was the only way to do it, really, because otherwise I think you had to be concentrate on that particular segment at a time. And right. then you could work putting them, putting them together. So then the editing came in because you had to make sure that you had like breadcrumbs here to what was happening here or, you know, a, a, a nod here to something else. Not giving away too much too soon, but, but you know, allowing the reader to kind of, you know, slowly get the links. Um, and also they flowed then because obviously you've taken separate stories and mashed them all up. So right. you still need to get that, that flow between all the chapters. It doesn't feel like you're abruptly kind of jumping from one thing to another. It has to feel like a smooth transition between them all. So yeah, that was where I think the hard work of editing came in. But I kind of really like that process. And that's the kind of the rolling up your sleeves part and getting stuck in. You've got, you know, got, got all your material, but now you get to really hone it and kind of hopefully make it work. But I still get to the end of nearly every book and go, I have no idea how I made that work. Or I hope I've made it work. Right, so most time right. Like, oh, God, I seem to have finished the book. It seems to have come <laughs> together. Right. So that's a, that is really interesting. So can I ask um, who you wrote first? Um, I actually wrote Carter first. I wondered about um, that. I wrote okay. Carter, Meg and Hannah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I had the first chapter of each of them written. And then I just kind of, 
yeah, went with what felt right, to be honest. Well, I understand that. I think, you know, when we, you know, when you get to the end of the book, it, it sort of makes sense like that Carter um, was first and his world is much bigger um, because he has, yes. you know, he's, a, yes. he's in a, yeah. he's in a chalet and there's room to move and they have to go get supplies and there's outside people. Yeah. Everybody else is really dealing with just the, you know, really dozen tough. or yes. whatever people that are in their, in their space. So that makes, that absolutely makes sense to me. And I love that you did that. And that's, I mean, the other thing about that, that, that is it really helps that the voices, you created very different voices, which I think would be so much harder if you were like, okay, now I'm oh, going yeah. from a Carter chapter to a Hannah chapter to, you yeah. know, a Mag chapter, that would be very much, you know, very much more difficult. So you, you um, could just concentrate on their story and their voice. And, and I think that was the only way to do it really. Um, and yeah. because of the, yeah, in some way I eased myself in because like I say the Carter chapters have a bit more space, whereas your challenge when you're writing a, a very small, tight kind of story with, with nowhere, to, nowhere for your characters to go, essentially, mm -hmm. is how you keep up the pace and the tension and, and stuff going on, because you can't kind of have them going to another room or, or traveling somewhere else and meeting someone else. So you've got that very sort of tight, which, which was fun, but it is it is a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. You can throw somebody out of a tram that that keeps the momentum going. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely. <laughs> you can do that. Okay, so um, and I, I said, as I said, this is sort of my first um, book. So is you know you're my first CJ Tudor book. So tell me, you know, I know you mentioned you, this one was sort of a little bit different. Um, how you know how did that feel, and and what sort of how is it different to you know to you? I think a sort of previous books, probably starting from the Chalkman, uh, was kind of sort of a kind of a small town murder mystery, sort of set in two times, but but with a kind of a underlying kind of I hate saying supernatural because it makes you just think of kind of ghosts or werewolves or vampires, or whatever. But but a kind of a creepy sort of supernatural undertone, and most of my books have flirted with that kind of mix between thriller and horror, and they kind of tread that line in between, really. Um, but, yes. but essentially at heart, they're all sort of mysteries, you know, that there's finding out who did it. And there's, there's always sort of a, a, a real life solution to things, but there may be other things going on. They're a little bit creepy or weird. And I've always sort of trod that line. Whereas with The Drift, I kind of, I think every author wants to do something different. Don't they? You, always, you want to try different things and kind of flex right. your creative muscles. And when I had the idea for The Drift, I thought this is, this is something different because it's world building. It's, it's not necessarily set in our kind of time that's happening now. Um, and it just seemed like a fun challenge as well. I do I kind of like setting myself challenges with writing. This seems yeah. like be something that'd be quite hard to do, and that really appealed to me. Um, and, and yeah, it was it was just something different to try, really. And, and I, I think everybody just likes writing things that are different. Some certainly I do. I, I would hate to have to write the same sort of story over and over again. Because I mean, all my books are standalone. I think that's a nice. It's a fresh playground every time. You know, right. so this particularly right. felt like another sort of shift in direction. But I think it's still kind of got my voice and it's still kind of a C.J. Tudor book. Um, but it's it's just a slightly different direction. And the one after that is a slightly different direction again. So, so fun. It's fun to, change, to mix things up. It, a bit, it, I think. And there is, I mean, we're not spoiling it by saying there is something in this book also that it has, it is a little bit of the, you know, I don't know, I don't know what I would call it, but it's not, it's not of this specific world and that is really it's it's yeah. so you do that so beautifully you weave that in so and it does it just takes the tension and the and the pace and the excitement and the 
terror <laughs> to a whole to a whole different <laughs> layer, a level. So let's um let's go back for a second because you did mention something that I think has happened to most uh, most authors. It certainly happened to me, um, where you know you sort of get you you find a project you feel passionate about it, you start working on it, and then something doesn't work. Can you will you share that with us? Because that's so interesting. Yeah, I think I don't think authors talk about it enough. Actually, I think it's we we quite we share sort of successes, don't we? And then we don't mm -hmm. necessarily talk about the things that don't work out. And I think everybody has it. Um, yeah. So say so I had the idea for the drift in twenty nineteen, but then for various reasons, there was another idea that I kind of had penciled in to write for the next book. So it was kind of a case of well, we can work on this this idea maybe in the background, but this is the one that we've kind of will be the next book because obviously I'm under contract with publishers and really? we kind of discussed it. And I was like, well, that, that's fine. I think this is a good idea and I can I can work on this. Um, and then I, so I, and I started writing that one and that was, that was of course when the pandemic happened. So I was writing it throughout the pandemic with kind of all the challenges that that posed, homeschooling and, and, ah, <laughs> and, right. and everything being, it wrong and I think although I thought you know perhaps that time away from stuff would perhaps be ideal for writing I think like a lot of people found that actually I don't know you just weren't in your right headspace. there was so much other stuff going on this underlying anxiety and and then on top of that then I lost my dad um, I'm so sorry and oh no thank you thanks it, you know it was it, as I say, it wasn't, wasn't it, he, you know, obviously he'd been ill for a while but I think you know you never sort of entirely prepared mm -hmm. and it, it was quite sudden when it did happen and, and I just think even though you don't realise perhaps at the time, it, it did knock me more than I thought. And I was trying to finish this book. And I don't know, that the, the book, I think, become, became wound up in sort of all this horrible stuff that had happened. You know, I got to the end of it and I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I can't seem to get the voice right. I, I, I'm not, I've got to the end and I just, there's some part of me saying it's not quite working. And I, I sort of finished it and I sent it off to my editors and they came back with a lot of notes, which is when I yeah. thought, you know what, I think it's not just me. Um, right. And I sort of looked at the notes and I just thought, I thought, you know, they're right. This is not working, but I can't fix it. I, right. I can't go back to this. But the thought of going back to that book just made me feel like sick. I, just, I can't right. face that. Normally I'd take editing in my stride, but I just, I can't go back to it. And so I just basically had a big cry. Um, and I said, <laughs> I'm going to have to tell you. I'm going to have to say, I, I can't go back to this book. I don't, I don't want to publish this book essentially because I hated it. I absolutely yeah. hated it. it. It was just, yeah. it sort of represented everything horrible. And, and, and so I, I had a, we had a very long chat and they were very understanding, fortunately, and supportive um, and said, you know, we, we think you, know, that you could fix it. I think you, you're being harsher basically on yourself than you need be, but we do understand. And we sort of decided that what we would do is we would put that to one side. Uh, we would sort of leave it that year. We wouldn't put the book out that year. Um, and I had a sort of chat. I said, I'd still like to put something out this year between sort of, the next book and we agreed that that would be the drift because I was still passionate about that and it, you know it's like write something that you know has your heart because that will hopefully get yeah. the mojo going again right. and then right. in between we decided to put out a book of, of short stories um which kind of I wrote in between doing the drift and, and really helped as well actually because I, I like writing shorts and it just felt like the pressure had been taken off a little bit I think and yeah. then I was able to kind of write freely again and and yeah and I, but it's awful because you feel like a, a a failure I felt like I was letting yeah. so many people down I, I was know. like you know oh my god like my publishers down my agent my editors and, and and people that might want to read my books and I, I right. just you know I just felt I felt like a, a, a real failure for having to do it but but it was the right decision and I don't right. I don't think I'll ever go back to that book sometimes people say well, maybe you'll go back to it I'm like no I won't yeah I really, right really won't 
I, I won't it, go back to that book. It, I mean, it, it, I, it, I had to, I had to finish it, but I had. To, it, it wasn't, yeah, wasn't and you know, I, I lost my dad. Um, God, I think it's been almost eight years now. But there is, you know, it's. I feel like there is something. You know, we, we live in our brains all the time, right? That's our job is to be in there and creating mm-hmm. things and whatever. But if something, if you're sort of some emotional shift, you know, gr- like a grand mm-hmm. emotional shift happens you can't, un- you just can't underestimate how that impacts kind of yes. everything. It really just, yeah. It, it feels like, you know, and it's not, and then the, the pandemic, everybody says like, oh, this is my pandemic book. And half of us are like, I have a pandemic book that is never going to see the light yeah. of day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just, it was also, and then there's all this, you know, you, you have, you take so much like sort of clear mental space to write a book. Um, and then you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're worried about the world. You have a child, you're homeschooling your child. You're worried about your child has all this anxiety and you're dealing yep. with their anxiety. And then your spouse's work is weird in their home. And it just is like, you know, and everyone's like, yeah. it's not it's, it's this all life. Wrong. Yeah. And they're like, this life isn't that different from your normal life. And I'm like, it isn't, but it totally it is. is. Yeah. Right. It is. And it's weird, isn't it? It totally is. It's like, yeah, I know I work at home. I'm used to being, but it's, it, it's all wrong everything is just subtly wrong and and your yeah. brain you get on but your brain is conscious that it's all wrong and, and and trying to deal with all these different things I think and yeah and I, I don't think you realize it till afterwards because you try to kind of just try and plow on don't you with things yeah and I think you do that with grief to an extent as well it sometimes hits you yeah. a little bit later on because you're trying to because in a weird way you, you know you're dealing with all the things that happen when someone dies because there's the funeral and there's this and uh, the other like right. and I was trying to look after my mum because I didn't want her to have to deal with it all. And, and, and we were some distance away. There was, you know, I had to drive back and forth. So all of that is kind of, you're getting on, but you're not really getting on because you're not really dealing right. with anything either as well. So right. it's, then it all kind of, <laughs> right. all comes in at one point. Right. Well, I'm, so, yeah, I, you know, I think it, it's a real, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. And I think it is really important to know that. And sometimes I think as writers, we have to be able to say, this isn't working, you know, it's not working for me emotionally. And to force ourselves to, you know, write a book that isn't working, it shows, you know, people, it shows in the book. It's just, you know, it's the right move. And the brave move is what you did is to say, I know I have a contract. I know I could sell this, you know, I could put this book out there and, you know, fulfill my contract, you know. Yeah. Because like you say, you know, don't you? And I think readers know. I think people reading books can tell when it's it's something that someone's done by the numbers or their heart wasn't right. in it. And, and right. I, I didn't want to try and patch something together that just, you know, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't enthusiastic to talk about all, all that people read and went, yeah, but it's, it's not, it's not, it's not as good as the other one, is it? You know, right. that, that kind of reaction. Right. You don't want that reaction. No, which so, is, it's so right. And it's so hard in general. Like, I mean, every time we put out a book, we're like, are they going to like it the, oh. as much as they like that one? And is it, you know, and <laughs> yeah. so you to then to put out a book that, you know, isn't your best work is like, it just feels like you're just yeah. going to shoot off one of your feet. And that does not seem like a, a great idea. Right. Um, so thank you. Like thank you. you. Didn't like it. Yeah. You, you, I'd probably end up going, you're right. It's terrible. It's awful. I, <laughs> I want it back. Bring it back. Exactly. So, um, so when you're, you know, when you're in, in a, in a book and working and things are going well, you know, you're sort of normal. Do you have a ritual? Like, are you a, you know, your daughter, I assume in school now yes, your daughter. Yeah. So, so you have some time during the day. How do you sort of set up your writing life? Is there a ritual you start when you sit down? Is there a certain place, time of day? I always love to hear about 
sort of your writer way? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite disorganized. I'd say I'm quite chaotic. I don't sort of have to have a specific ritual. I mean, normally if everything is going smoothly and, and the fact is that life doesn't generally go smoothly, even week on week, does it? We, right. You know, one of us will take Betty to school. And I might go for a run and then sit down and do some work. And I'll write through, you know, hopefully to sort of lunchtime. And then it might be, you know, take a dog out, go and do something, get away from the desk and then do a bit more until it's school pick up. And then everything goes crazy after then. And not much right. goes, you know, work gets done when Betty gets home, you know. And that's 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 a good day. That's an organized day. But I think I, I'm, I'm not one of those people. I know some people like set word counts and be very yeah. organized and do all of that. I don't like to put that pressure on. Because I just find that just some just life gets in the way, doesn't it? As I say at the moment, my mum's had some health things, and so that's kind of thrown life a bit skew with. So you know, it's hard to plan. All my days have been interrupted and thrown a bit off. So I write when I can, and I think that's the best we can do. Um, I used to like go and try in coffee shops, but then of course we had the pandemic, and I couldn't do that. And I kind of got out of the habit of doing it. And so I have I've got a really love I've got a really nice writing space upstairs. I've got lovely views out of the window. And I've got some nice big desk and things. And so I'm, I like to hunker down here with a nice cup of tea and some biscuits and get settled in. Um, and on a good day, that's great. I can sit here and write away. But life tends to throw curveballs, doesn't it? So of I think course. It's always good to sort of say, it is a job. It is something we have to do. You know, it is a job. You've got to be disciplined to an extent. But don't, you know, don't sweat it if you can't. You know, it's a day where you, you get like two sentences written because right. either the phone's ringing or I don't know something's gone wrong in the house or you know your, your child's ill and has to come back from school or any of these things that happen all the time and totally. you have to deal with. I mean, are you very it, disciplined or do you find? Well, that- I I mean, I am. I know that I can only really write like three or four hours a day, and then my brain is kind of fried. And sometimes yeah, that three yeah. or four hours is like you said. Sometimes it's amazing and I write like a thousand yes. words and I'm like oh my god how did that happen that's so great yeah and some days it's like I tinker with 50 words I wrote yesterday yeah. and nothing really happens <laughs> yeah. I sometimes but I sometimes think we need that because that means because I'm also not a plotter I wish I was a plotter but I'm not a plotter so sometimes I think the tinkering is the way of sort of like trying to figure out what happens what comes next yeah. right yeah, that's only like one like paragraph. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because you're like, what? I'm not really sure where this goes. Do you? Are you? I, I know. I was talking to Mary um, uh, Kabika recently because she she just has a book out as well, and she was saying that she takes those long. She's a runner too. I'm. I am a. Right. I only only run if I'm being chased. That's my running. <laughs> um, so. I'm not a runner, but she says she uses that time to kind of process her her story. Does that yeah. work for you? It does. Running and dog walks. When I say running, because I haven't been able to get out for a run for about three weeks with various things. And it's also rained constantly here for three weeks. And yeah. I will run in all weathers, but really torrential rain, it's just like, oh, that's not fun. <laughs> it puts me off a little mm-hmm. bit. But it does. It's like getting out and having that headspace. And walking the dog is the same thing. When I was a dog walker, it was great for plotting. So just going out and being away from the desk can actually be as useful as sitting at the desk, I think. You know, headphones on, out, just, you know, brain churning things over. It's just just good to let your brain kind of go a bit wild, I think. And then you I think, feel refreshed yeah. to come back and start again, I think. Yeah. And I, I think you have to, for me, I have to leave the desk. I can tinker with something for, you know, a little bit. And then if nothing happens, I have to go and just, you know, yeah. fold laundry or you know, clean something or take the dogs out or something that uses, you know, my body, but not my brain to kind of find the next thing. I think that's true. And you make a good point. I like that. I like the idea about like, 
you know, that we, people set these word counts and stuff. And, and in some ways, if that works for people, I think that's amazing. But if it doesn't it work for you, right, yeah. yeah. But if it doesn't, it's like another sort of feels like a failure if you don't hit your word count. And it's like, yeah, th this job's hard enough. Don't, you don't need to find <laughs> new ways to feel like you're failing, right? It's true. And I think sometimes, like I say, you, you have to get away from the screen because, you know, you'll do that typical thing of sitting there. You, you want to get that perfect chapter and it's not quite working. You can't quite, or you can't quite unlock this bit here. And you can stare at it for ages and then go away. And sometimes I find, you know, just go away and sleep on it. And then the next day you're like, oh, of course, it, it's this, this. And it's so easy. So I think, yeah, like you say, sometimes you just have to walk away from it and get that space and come back, really. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes you do have to tinker for like all day on one particular segment because it's a really important bit that you, you can't, you have to get right before you can move on. So right. like, it all has its merits, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. And I do agree that it's a weird combination of our conscious mind and our subconscious mind. And, you know, accessing that subconscious mind is is kind of a weird little tricky magic trick I you know yeah yeah I, I sometimes wish I could just plug in you know and just like download <laughs> all <laughs> it's probably coming CJ that's terrifying but um so oh no, God, I, no don't say that <laughs> I know right so I haven't um I've always wondered so I have all, you know my kids are a little older but I know it's um my daughter was about 14 when she said I want to read one of your books now I don't know how old your daughter is <laughs> but is she does she read your CJ Tudor books or is she too young She's nine and a half. I did have a little video of it the other day, reading the like the the blurb for the for the new book just for a bit of fun because she gave it great drama. She was like, and then there's a dead body. She, she was proper drama on it. It was it was great. But no, she yeah, she's not quite. She's a really good reader actually. But yeah, she's not quite there yet. Um, no. But but she's quite hardcore because she does love like you know really dark creepy stuff. Even more so than I, I did at that age. I love dark, creepy stuff. But I used to get really scared and have terrible nightmares. But she's like, no. I mean, she's just she's just finished watching. We watched Wednesday together. Have you seen that? Oh one? yeah, yeah, of like, course. Yeah, absolutely loved that. And she's probably a little bit young for the age range, but she so was brilliant. And so she loves all you know. She loves the Adams family, and she loves like kind of quite dark films and stuff. And I'm I'm looking forward to introducing her to some of my favourite '80s films, like The Lost Boys when she's a bit older, oh, and The Goonies. Yeah, yes. the Goonies now. So yeah, but I think she'll probably be a little bit older before she can read the books. But yeah, she yeah. she kind of wants to. But I was reading Stephen King when I was about 11, 11 and 12. Yeah, so. I mean, right? Isn't that crazy? I mean, it, yeah. it's, I mean, you think about those formative years and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I like V.C. Andrews, the things that I read in yes. my generation. Yeah. I mean, we were, I probably was not dark. that much older. They were <laughs> So dark. so dark. I don't even read. I don't read stuff that's quite that dark now. I feel like so. Oh God. Um. So I, I, kids I, like that though, don't they? You like dark stuff. And when I was young, there wasn't really YA stuff. So you kind of no. want kids stuff to adult stuff. You know, if you right. didn't want to read the kids stuff anymore. Right. <laughs> and you think about like all the shows, like Stranger Things, and that's all yeah. so new for yeah. this generation of kids. You know who. Yeah, who love and we didn't like right. We had to go from like, I mean, I remember it was like it was either like Nancy Drew or like VC Andrews, and not a whole yeah, lot. There's, there's nothing right. in between. You just you know, right? <laughs> so the adult library cards, you know, it was amazing. You go in the adult section in the library. My dad, my dad's library card actually, and get the grown up books, you know. And, right. But right. yeah, that's that probably didn't get. But <laughs> yeah, but she's a. It sounds like she's a good reader. I mean, she loves. She to is. Read. Well, you know, that's the weird thing. She's, I wouldn't say she loves to read. She's a really good reader. Her reading is excellent. She's got a great vocabulary. 
but she doesn't take after me in that she loves to pick up a book. Uh, you know, she does what a lot of children do. She watches a lot of YouTube and things yes. like that. She always has the subtitles on things as well. I don't know. This is a thing that children seem to do a lot more. They always have the subtitles on, which, which is in a weird way has helped her reading and her vocabulary. Yeah. She'll watch yeah. shows with the subtitles on. And she does read books sometimes, but I wouldn't say she's an avid reader like I was. But then I think there's so much more to distract. distract it's so distract. true. Neither of my Videos kids reads the way we do. Yeah. Games. It's, it's, which, which, you know, I didn't have. You know, it was kind of just books, really. I've really shown my age now, but it, but it was. You know, Pong was, was a new thing when I was a kid. Yes. So, me, yes, me too. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It, there's so much more. And I kind of get that perhaps, you know, and I don't think it's something you can force. You, you know, she, if she does want to pick up a reader book, she does sometimes, but it's not something you kind of go, oh my God, you must read. I'm like, yeah. as long as you're reading, I think this is good. And her imagination is great. She writes really well. You know, yeah. she, she has great imagination for stories. So I'm, I'm happy with that. And if she gets more into reading, it, it'll be something she does when she's perhaps a little bit older. Exactly. You've got to choose to do it. Yeah. Yeah. She'll find, I mean, I do think my daughter, I mean, and also they're in school and that's a whole, you know, it's a different yeah. thing. Like in the, my daughter sort of found it, you know, she's just graduating from college. So she's sort of getting into it. I think it's different when you're, you know, when reading becomes a forced thing versus when, you know, and it's fun to, yeah. it's fun for me to be like, you, you will love this book. You have to try, you know, read this book. Cause yeah. that's, that's, you know, and it's fun to share that, um, you know, because my husband's he's, he's, if he reads, it's like, you know, world war two, you know, <laughs> right. Not really. That is not the kind of book that I um, I'm reading either. No. Um, so I, I was going to ask you about sort of you know one of the other things about um, you know writing is the sort of your community of people. You know, do you have a critique group? Um, do you do you write solely like completely solitary until the end? Like, how does that work for you? I'm quite a solitary writer. Yeah, I, I don't sort of like interference on it while I'm doing it. I like to sort of get on with it, get the book written. And then now I'll tend to show my husband, Neil. He'll sort of be the first reader. But when mm -hmm. I wrote The Chalkman, he didn't read it until after I got an agent because because <laughs> he is quite critical, He's yeah. which is good. It is good now. Right. I find it really useful. He's quite analytical about things. So he's a very good first reader and he can proofread it and things. But when I was you know, trying to get published, I just feared he would crush me with his criticism right. and I wouldn't recover. So he, right. he, I didn't really show it to anybody when I first sent off the chalk mail. I kind of just crossed my fingers. Um, but now he's sort of my first reader. I, I don't, I'm not very good with critique groups and stuff. I, I do prefer to sort of do it on my own. I, I tried doing an online writers thing at one point, but yeah, it just doesn't really work for me. I don't know whether it's, it's not so much that you know, I can't take sort of criticism because obviously as a writer, you have to be able to, you know, take criticism because editing is yeah. part of it. So, you know, I always say my editor's job is to sort of say how great she thinks my writing is and then point out all the reasons that it's not really. So Right, right. Start with the that. positive, please. Start with yeah, the positive. This right. but, but this needs to change and this, 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 yes. this, this. Yeah. Yes. So I yeah, I, I just find I like to get the original, the, the, the sort of bones of it all down without sort of interference. And then I'm really open to, to criticism and hearing what people have to say. But I have to get that original first draft down on my own. Because otherwise I think, <coughs> I think if I've got too many opinions, yes. I'd, I'd get distracted. And it's then true. I'd be like, oh, maybe I should, I'd, I'd get, I'd sort of self-doubt. And I, I don't need that while I'm getting that first right. draft down. Yeah. And then what about like the idea of like, so when you have, if you're stuck, is there somebody that you, you know, that you sort of say, I have, like, do you talk through things with like somebody else or you are literally, it's CJ, it's the whole, the show is it entirely is. CJ. Yeah. 
It really is. I don't. I don't tend to run stuff. I mean, I've got. I've got some great author friends, really good yes. female writer friends, and we chat about all sorts of publishing stuff. And and sometimes you know, other people will come on there and, and mention stuff, but I. I no, I don't. <laughs> I just tend to find it's much. I work much better just unknotting it all myself. And then I find it's very difficult to explain stuff to other people sometimes. Right. Right. Because you you know, know, there's like, so much backstory. You have to like to, yeah. to ask the question. You have to know like what happened in the first 75 pages. And it's exactly. a lot to explain. Yeah. I and I totally appreciate that too. But it, like you said, it is so important to have those people who you can be like, I got this hard news or, you know, complain about some. Talk about the, the whole business of publishing and stuff yes. and sort of understand it and are going through the same things. Yes. And it's good to have that kind of group that you can bounce stuff off or just have a moan to. It's always good to have a group of people you can just have a good right. moan to about things sometimes. Totally. And I yeah. and the, so the older I get those, the women authors, we can all complain about, you know, sort of the, you know, the same things and also balancing like our lives yeah, with, yeah. you know, it's like I was right in the middle of the scene and then I got a call from my kid's school and you're like, ah, you know, yeah. right. <laughs> all of that stuff, all of that stuff. I know, I, I, guess um, I do, we, we all sit there and go, what we all need is a wife, basically. <laughs> so we could just concentrate on writing. <laughs> No question. I I thought he's very good. (laughs) I know. I no offense to any of these men because they're wonderful, but it is true that there's just you know in most cases sort of the the lion's share of this does end up sort of the of the sort of management of children and whatnot. It does. It does. Yeah. It it is. It is nearly always the mummy. You know, mummy. Right. And that's kind of what you have to deal with. You can't shut your door on it. You know, you can't kind of go. Well, I'm not dealing with you. right until they're a little older and then you can say i'm writing and unless it's really like unless you're bleeding you should probably not bother me yeah yeah i'm like is it important well yes and then she'll be what is it this on roblox i need to show you is that that's not important right (laughs) right right we need to right we need to sort of sort out what what it's like is something on fire (laughs) are you bleeding these are basically they get there they get there I love that well um okay so you so the two the this is out um the 31st yeah the yeah the 31st so I think our I think um our show goes live maybe that day I am terrible by calendar but um people will be listening to this and they will be or they they can get this book if not that day, then like within a couple of days. Yes. So it will be out yes, in the world. Definitely. It is out so in exciting. the world. <laughs> so exciting. So I, one more question. Do you, do you, you must write the first draft pretty quickly. Um, I tend to get the first draft done. Generally, it, it depends. Um, about sort of 10 months on average, I think. Okay. And then a couple of months of going back and forth then with, with you know, editors and, and, you know, copy editors. So, so yeah, normally I'm a little behind at the moment on the, on the current one, but not much, but I, I, I put a lot of pressuring myself because of course, you know, you know what it's like if you, it's all if I was saying, well, you know, you can have an extra month or so, but then I'm behind for the next one. <laughs> I know. I know. You're like, no, I need to keep my schedule. Right. Absolutely. Well, okay. So since we're on that subject, I mean, can you tell us anything about what's coming next? Yes, um, I started. Yeah, I'm, I'm about two thirds of the way through actually. Um, the, the next one, which will be 2024. It's always so weird, isn't it? She was working so far ahead. Totally. Sort of, yeah, we're barely not. in 2023, and now I we're know. talking about 2024. Yes. But yeah, it's called what? Well, I mean, the, the title may may change because they often do. It's, it's got a working title of the Gathering, um, and I, I think I, I presented it to my agent. I said, so it's, 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 this is the title, and it's it's set in Alaska. Um, and it's set in this very sort of isolated small town. 
um, and there's a, a, a sort of gruesome, a young boy is, is, is killed, there's a gruesome murder, um, and there's a, there's a plucky female detective who comes into the town and sort of has to deal with this murder and these sort of quite hostile people that live in the town. And um, there's, um, there's vampires. <laughs> I love it. I love, and think, Alaska, what a like, it's, uh, what a great sort it's, of, it's, I said it adds its imagine. own character. It does. I said, try and imagine sort of if you've seen the film 30 Days of Night meets, say, Fargo. It, it's kind of that kind of, you know, mix we've, we've kind of got going on. But we're going to, because obviously I don't live in Alaska and I've done a lot of research online. But the plan is to go out to Alaska probably around April, between the first draft and the, the kind of the, the proper edits, so that I can go out and, and get a real feel and, 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 and sort of flesh it out and do some proper research. So, so that is the plan. So I think you've always got to go somewhere. You have to go, yeah. somewhere. you know, write about wherever you like, but you've got to go there and, and try and, you know, get a, get that colour. Oh, uh, yeah. Alaska is, I'm really excited about it. It's about amazing. Take so it should be, yeah, oh, really yeah. amazing. That's actually a really smart thing. Now it makes me think I should be setting a book like in Croatia or I know. <laughs> the yeah, Maldives. There's a lot yeah. of places I'd like to go. This is only what I said. This would be, can't you set your book somewhere hot? A nice yes right idea, you know? <laughs> maybe maybe the next one but it will not be super hot in alaska in april <laughs> i can tell you that and it will still be pretty dark probably yes yeah yeah um, so I'm, which I'm is looking forward to it <laughs> such uh, so, you know it and it's a write-off cj you are doing business this is a, it's you research know, yes it's exactly. research yeah. exactly so you know we got since you know writers we're not known for making millions and millions of dollars so you got it You've got to do a lot of research. You've got to put what you can. <laughs> you got to use what you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, okay. So this is so exciting. I think the gathering is a wonderful um, title. So we'll oh, just you. cross our fingers. I, I do think I've had like of my 16 books, I think I have like maybe five titles that were mine originally. So I'm not- You can never tell, it. can you? It's no. Sometimes the title is there straight away. And sometimes I find you just go through so many. If, if it's not there straight away, you just get that kind of like, what, what are we going to call this book? Right. And sometimes I'm like, this is the title. And they're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, no, okay, not. that is not the title. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, that, that place is like, it's weird that like writing two words is harder than writing the other you know, a hundred thousand, right? Then it's like somehow the title ends up being the, the hardest words to write. So, well, that is super exciting. And it sounds like we will expect that since, you know, very early 24. That's sort of yes, your- that's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. You're like a January, you you give us something to look forward to at the beginning of the, of the, of the new year, which is super Hopefully, fun. yes. <laughs> okay, so CJ, tell um, li our listeners where we can find you online. Obviously, The Drift will be at all, you know, every bookstore, all your favorite. Um, it should be at all good indies, all good bookstores. Yep, definitely. But tell us about online. Um, where, you know, what are you on social media? Where can people sort of yeah. like follow I'm you? On, I'm, I'm on all of it, really. I'm, I'm most active on, on Twitter because, you know, I, I, that's the one I can work best. So yeah, I'm at CJ Tudor author. Oh, I'm just at CJ Tudor on Twitter. I'm on Facebook at CJ Tudor author, and I'm on Instagram at CJ Tudor author as well. Um, but, but I'm on Twitter the most, I think, because you know, being a bit clunky with social media, I'm, I'm still like going, I don't get Instagram, and then start me on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. Oh my gosh! I'm not on I know. Stand TikTok. Somebody said that to me and I'm like, I'm too old. I'm just, I'm going to say it right now. I'm too old for TikTok. Although my old. daughter yeah. has got me on TikTok and. <laughs> 
I have like three videos and like six followers. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it's you see, not. You see, you, 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 this is the start. This is the start. I'm like, going, uh, I'm not doing it. This is the hill I will die on. I'm not doing TikTok <laughs> yeah, this time next year. <laughs> I was going to say, you got, yeah. that's what you have to put Betty on. Say, listen, honey, you got to figure out TikTok so that you can figure yes. out how to put your mom on TikTok. That's help why we have children. Mom. That's why we have children, I think, is is to help us with technology that's oh, God, gone yeah. way <laughs> over our head. So, well, listen, this was a super, I mean, I am super impressed. I loved it. I really enjoyed this. I loved, you know, the three, the three different, you know, um, places and the way that you, you uh, wove them all in and the ending and oh, the creepiness and all of it. So, um, Brava, brava, lady! Thank you. <laughs> I hope it sells a million cars. Uh, cars. Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That would be nice. A million copies, <laughs> just, just a million, right? <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today, CJ. It was so oh, no, fun to you. chat. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been really, really nice. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. Absolutely, and everybody, thank you for joining us today on Killer Women Podcast with CJ Tudor, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.